Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Another World, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Landolt, and on This Week in Pop Culture, I am joined by returning guest Aaron Holman, the host of the podcast Eye to Eye, to go into a discussion on everything from the release of Tenet in movie theaters, the release of Mulan on Disney+, the release of the truly bizarre Charlie Kaufman film I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix, and just a sprinkling of other headlines, which include a Gossip Girl reboot on HBO Max, <gasps> Robert Pattinson has COVID, oh my goodness, and a sequel to Troop Beverly Hills in the works, Shut Your Damn Mouth. And later in the show, I will be joined by Joey and Brandon, the hosts of the podcast Academy Queens, to go into a little discussion on some of our favorite winners of the Academy Awards through the years, and some people that we think should have been winners. So stick around, it's going to be a fun show, we'll be right back. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Full disclosure, this is such an easy process. You literally sign up for an account, you go to your homepage, they give you the available ads with the script, you record it, you put it into the pod, you tell them where it is in the pod, and honey, you're good to go. You are finished. You are done. So, apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add In Another World into the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Do it! Hello and welcome to This Week in Pop Culture. Today we'll be talking about news headlines from the week of September 2nd through September 8th. And I welcome back to This Week in Pop Culture, Aaron Holman, the uh, host of Eye to Eye. Hello! Happy We're to be back, 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 back again. I know, I'm like Shangela, back. I'm, I'm, I'm not Got more yes gods in the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing lyric from Alyssa Edwards. I just want to give a shout out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the few times uh, her lyrics are um, well thought out instead of just off the, <laughs> yeah. top of the head. They're very definitively Alyssa Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you been re uh re what have you been reading? I don't do any reading. <laughs> just say it. What, have you what have you been reading? What have you been watching? Listening to? Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, well, I'm on a rewatch for the first time uh, in many years. I'm rewatching Reno 911. Um, oh. And that show, it came out when I was much younger, and it wasn't necessarily my favorite type of humor at the time. But in this yeah. day and age, it is so nice to go back to a place where, like, nothing is sacred. They make fun of everything. And, uh, <laughs> It has provided some really good laughs. Uh, I don't think that that show would get made nowadays. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that was a time in comedy where you could still... I mean, I don't know if this is even a good thing or a bad thing, but you could still go to some places that you just cannot go that to That are just now. really rude. Like, even right now, 
I can't repeat some of the jokes that I heard. Oh God, you know? yeah, right. like, out of a are you are you young or old enough? Are you old as me to remember? Do you know the Ryan Murphy show Popular? Um, I know of it, but no. When Ryan Murphy for <sighs> me started with Nip Tuck. No, okay, fair enough. No, but there was this character named Mary Cherry, who I think is one of the best TV characters in the history of television. But she was on Popular, so it's this really niche reference that I feel like no one ever knows. But her writing was hilarious. It was pretty much written like by gay men to give this funny little character actress teenage girl to say. Because it's Leslie Grossman <laughs> that's been on American Horror Story now a couple of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like people that know her from American Horror Story would be like, yeah, she's funny or whatever, she's fine. But me, it's been such a joy to watch her on that show because I remember how funny she was as Mary Cherry. But then she kind of like disappeared. But all of the jokes they wrote for her, you could never say. I, I actually feel a little naughty when I watch Mary Cherry videos and giggle because, oh yeah, I mean, not like offensive in a way where he's being serious at all, but she's supposed to be like a character that is racist, a big, you know, a bigot, uh, you know, so it's very over the top uh, mm-hmm. character dialogue, but there are some jokes in there. That uh, have not aged the best. Oh yeah, uh, in Reno nine one one, one specific scene that I'm thinking about is um, two of the officers go to a school, an elementary school, and they are showing the kids how to quote unquote safely use a gun, but um, their demonstration <laughs> is not safe. You know, <laughs> oh god, um, I just don't think the humor would translate anymore. Oh my god. Well, also, thing I watched this week, it's actually one of the things I was just bringing up on the show in general, but on Netflix this week, there premiered the new Charlie Kaufman film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, starring Jesse Plemons, yeah, mm-hmm. had Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis? Thewlis? Thewlis, yeah. Thewlis. Um, yeah, I watched it this past weekend, and oh my god. It um, was... Yeah, I don't know how to say, I, I I recommend it absolutely, but I don't know if I, like, I don't know what I tell people about it when I watch it. I'm like, it was crazy. Like, I will say it was crazy. It was insane. I mean, I've only watched uh, a good bit of the trailers for it and everything. Yeah. Uh, it is what I'm watching tonight. Now knowing <gasps> oh, uh, wow, cool. fully what it is, I am fully Don't look it up at all. That's what I'll say. Well, I didn't look up the plot, but I, I looked up the trailers, you know. Um, so yeah. I have a feel for what the movie is going to be like, mm-hmm. and I can't wait. Um, Tony Collette, there's a, a moment <sighs> in the trailer where she says something along the lines of like, oh, the, the, the girlfriend says something like, oh, he's told me all about you. And she like does this crazy laugh and is like, <laughs> and you decided to still come? Um, she looks psychopathic and I'm I'm ready to watch. Oh, it's a whole weird performance. And well, actually the whole movie, I remember I saw the trailer. I, I found, I didn't even know Charlie Kaufman had made a movie for Netflix, but I heard that there was a movie. I watched the trailer. And even by the end of the trailer, I was just like, this looks so weird and freaky. And almost like horror, and I don't know what to expect, but at the same time, it was the most excited I've been to watch a new movie in a long time, honestly. And after watching it, I won't lie, it's very abstract, it's very like theater of the absurd as a film, Mm -hmm. like it's very weird, it's very like 
don't take anything at face value, but also be looking at every visual cue you're wa- like. I would say do not have your phone around when you're watching it. Like Absolutely. just just watch it because it, everything you see is a clue into what's going on. But I was conv- I, it took I watched it a second time actually because I wanted to see if I would pick up on clues and stuff better the second time. And it was a totally different movie the second time. Almost maybe even better than the first time I saw it. Um, I love movies like, like that. Whenever yeah, they it was just really exciting. Rewatch that is a very nice thing to build into movies. Um, Charlie Kaufman. He, I mean, he directed uh, being John Malkovich, and my personal favorite. It's in my top five favorite movies of all time: Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, well, he wrote those. Did he just write them? Yeah, he's only directed two, oh no, three of his films now. No um, way. This is because he, he did. He wrote being John Malkovich adaptation. Eternal Sunshine. Um, I don't think he wrote her. I think that was someone. Maybe that was him. No, I think that was Spike Jones. I don't think he wrote it. Yeah, that was. But then he made um, uh, Synecdoche, New York with Mm -hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, which was bizarre. That was the first one he actually directed also. And then he had another one called Anomalisa, which was an animated, like, uh, I think it was like stop motion animation. I can't remember what style it was, but he also directed that. But this is like, this is it's it. I didn't read the book. I kind of want to read the book now because I hear if you read the book after seeing the movie, you really see the things that he changed, but not even in that's necessarily like a negative way, but just in an interesting way, the way his brain works. I feel like if I recommend it to the wrong person, they're going to message me after they see it and be like, what the fuck did you tell me to watch? Like, what is this stupid movie? Um, but I think you'll get into I'm ready. it. I'm ready to see it. I'm excited Netflix has brought us something that's going to, you know, bend my Make us think. Mm-hmm. I will say, I don't know if it's the best thing to watch during quarantine. Like, it's definitely dark. It's very dark and very existential. Well, let me but just I don't know. quarantine for a minute and then I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say, I have not been able to stop thinking about it for like two or three days. It's been crazy. So also, this past weekend, Mulan came out on Disney+. Plus. Did you watch that, Aaron? I do not have the $30 to spare. Right? I am Listen, I am a little poor right now. Yeah, same, um, girl. But um, I'm, I'm, I have not watched it yet. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm pro Mulan, of course. Of course I am too. Um, but I've heard rumor that Disney... Plus, uh, members will be receiving the movie in December, anyways. Oh yeah, the um, same. And yeah. I'm not. I am not the type to go pirate the movie. I know there's a lot of people doing that right now. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, it's a Christmas present. I'm just gonna have to wait for it. <laughs> I do pay for the Disney Plus service. I, I do just, too. I'm not gonna pay more. I can't right now. Oh my I understand. God. I'm not even mad at them. I'm like, no, I get it. You need to make money somehow. You spent a lot of money on this, but I can't okay. be that money. Me either. Um, <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. I've heard only wonderful things about it. The cinematography is beautiful. Um, the one. Oh, it looks the, gorgeous. Mm-hmm, the only negative I've heard at all is that it could have been a little bit um, tightened up. It could have been a little bit shorter from what I've heard. But other than that, yeah, it's a brilliant I've... movie. I've heard that, but I've also heard people say that they wonder if people are saying that because of the actual movie or because they miss some of the elements that were cut out of it. And so they feel like it's it's like overly long because they are just committing to like actual like adult storytelling. They're not doing lots of like lots of magic or music or anything like that. So it's in a more grown up movie of like all the remakes so far from what I've heard. Mm. And I wonder if it's just 
it's like the thing that I think I respect the most about it is that it's a remake where they actually did something new with it and didn't just try to produce the animated movie on screen again. I but I think people are also like, this is weird. I, I wish it had some of the whimsy of the animated movie. And it's like, well, but we have the animated movie. Like it exists. We already have it. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I respect the fact that they're doing something different with it. I am very excited to see it when I have the yeah. chance. And I hear, I hear the action sequences are beautiful to look at. Well, I'm looking forward to it very much. When it's not thirty dollars. When it is not thirty dollars. Yeah, like again, I don't, I get it. They have to make money. They spent a lot of money. This didn't expect this to happen. But I, you know, there are times where I have thirty dollars, and there are times where I'm like, I gotta save that money. And right now, in in 2020. It is one of those times. It, it really is. It really is. <laughs> you know? These COVID times have gone on much longer than I were, I think anyone projected at the beginning. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see People uh, later. People keep saying me all the time, like, what are you doing for work right now? So you're doing your podcast. Is that for your job? And I'm like, bitch, if I'm only. working on it. <laughs> like, you know, give me a break. Also, you know what? The podcast is for my sanity. That's what it's for. And I, I think that's fine. I completely feel that. Even though it can feel like the opposite sometimes. I'm trying to redirect my brain and be more grateful and say, remember when you had nothing to do and you were going insane? At least now you have creative things to work on, you know? So, yeah, grateful and all that bullshit. (laughs) Grateful does not pay the bills or get me to rent Mulan. So Yeah, Mulan. um, If you're interested, I do have a Patreon, bitch. Get there. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have a Patreon yet. I feel like I'm I'm still just such a baby, a baby podcast. Maybe in a couple of months. I don't know. I've been sorry. I'm starting like to put together like what different tiers would be and stuff. So uh, we we shall see. I don't know. I still feel like a baby. <laughs> well, you look like a baby. Oh, bless you. <laughs> you. So also uh, this week, uh, Tenet finally opened in movie theaters after months of delay christopher nolan's new film tenet finally arrived in u.s theaters and generated 20.2 million over the labor day weekend ticket sales though difficult to dissect given the uncharted waters of the coronavirus era are roughly in line with expectations for a new release during a pandemic the espionage thriller is already nearing the 150 million mark globally, thanks to a stronger showing at the international box office. Overseas, Tenet earned over 78.3 million this weekend, bringing its worldwide haul to 146.2 million dollars. Oh man, this is how do you feel about this? Like such a movie having crowds of people going to see it. All right, um, I think it's a terrible idea for the current uh, yeah. time. Uh, that being said, I am excited about this movie. Um, <laughs> right. I just, I don't think. Are you excited need... for this movie? I am, uh, but I'm a really? big Christopher okay. Nolan fan. Um, you are, or aren't? I am. I, I do. I, I usually am too. Films. And I thought Inception was really good. And I'll be a hundred percent honest. I feel like we're getting kind of a successor to Inception with this movie. Uh, very tiny. A little bit, yeah. You know, I, I get it, that. As well. It felt like in the vein. And so I guess in that respect, I am excited for it, but I'm not, I don't know. One of the big things that I saw in the trailer for this is that they keep saying, experience it in the theaters. You know, they really are promoting it to get people to go back out. And I do think that that's irresponsible right now. 
I, I know, and it's like Christopher Nolan. I get it. You want people to see it on the big screen, but you also didn't expect a pandemic to be going on. So, like, mm-hmm. you have to change your you have to be socially responsible. And yes, change yeah. Your expectations. Um, so I think it's terrible uh, that that's especially the way that they're marketing it. Could anything get you to a movie theater right now? Me personally, yeah, no. Me either. I'm gonna be a hundred. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm really, like, like, I no shade. Like, if people want to do their own thing. Like, it's your life. Correct. But I, unless I walk into a theater and it reeks of Lysol, I don't feel safe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If I brought a, a travel can of Lysol, maybe, but I don't know. I. Mm, I, I, just I just don't. Not. I think it's too much of a risk. Yeah. And, and, and like, I, I get it. We want to get back to normal or some semblance of normal. But it's it. The numbers have not gone down during the summer. They have actually like accelerated. So something it's... that I actually saw was that in the countries where the coronavirus had already started to subside, they are actually yeah. now seeing um, higher surges in the number of infections again. Like it is on the rise in Spain. Yeah. Well, they talked UK. about how there might be a second wave. Like it, yeah. that's just how viruses work. And so I think that is about to happen in the U.S. as well. Not to be a pessimist. I know. So I, no, no, I, nothing would get me to the movie theater right now. I'm yeah. not even if they re-release like into the woods, you know, I, I, just oh my God. that's, that's your thing. <laughs> oh no. I'm talking about the Bernadette Peters, you know, like, <gasps> oh my God. Oh girl, bitch. Okay. You know, get me there. Something that they would not do, you know, even <laughs> that I would still be like, no, I'm not going. I can't go. I'm sorry, Bernadette. I, I can't, can't do go. It. I can't go. <laughs> God, I love. Can I say Into the Woods? Uh, if someone has not seen the Into the Woods from the eighties with Bernadette Peters mm-hmm. and Joanna Gleason, oh, that's just Chip the best. Zine, um, and just everybody, super oh, good. That, yeah, I've talked about that before in the pod, but that I was just obsessed with. And you know who I always remember from that movie is the act or that movie. <laughs> that movie, it was a play. <laughs> the play <laughs> was the woman that played Jack's mother. Oh yes. She uh, rotted spoons don't hold much soup. <laughs> it's like that's a dead giant in my backyard. <laughs> uh, also, when she runs in and she's screaming, she does like God, a whole little yes. coordinated like. Ooh. I was bowing when I did that. By the way, oh, I got that. <laughs> it's like children can be very queer about their animals. Yeah, uh, just, uh, yeah. I just every everybody in that is so great, but I don't think that's getting re-released into theaters for us anytime soon. And my point being, I would not <laughs> go to the movie theater for it still, even for Bernadette. <laughs> not even for Bernadette. And that that doesn't that tell you how gay I am. That like <laughs> the thing that I thought of that would like <laughs> make me go to the movie theater. <laughs> it makes me love you even it's more. Like it's so funny. I wouldn't even go for Bernadette Peters in the 1987 <laughs> production of Into the Woods. <laughs> oh my god. I think mine would be like, even if they even if they had a remastered version of the Liza Minnelli Goldie Hawn television special from 1983. Oh my god, love it. Love it. Do you know that was a thing? Uh no. <laughs> Girl, let me Goldie tell you. Hawn. 
bit okay. of trivia. This is, I guess this isn't this week in pop culture, but we're talking about it this week, so it's going to count. <laughs> um, there is a television special. You can find it, I believe, still on YouTube. It is a television special, I believe, from 1983, starring Goldie Hawn and Liza Minnelli. And they do a bunch of musical numbers, a bunch of dances. And they did this because at the time, Bob Fosse was developing the Chicago film adaptation, and it was going to star Goldie Hawn and Liza Minnelli. Oh, isn't that crazy? God, they do a medley of like all that jazz at the end of it. <sighs> I would kill yeah. to watch them sing nowadays. Well, the thing is, Goldie Hawn—it's such a like peek into like why didn't we get a full movie musical with Goldie Hawn? Because she is such a natural musical theater performer. She is so such a star. Is amazing. Is <laughs> the gayest thing I could recommend. But I will say, <laughs> go find the Goldie Hawn Liza Minnelli. <laughs> special well i'm gonna watch it because that sounds amazing well of course you are you're a gay that, that likes musical theater that alternate reality has me like <laughs> i i'm ready i'm ready i love all the alternate do you, oh do you know what other alternate reality thing i found out about chicago recently have i ever told I you about this it. probably have but let's do it i found out that rob marshall's first choice for roxy hart was tony collette Whoa. And then they said and they said they wanted someone more famous, and that's when Liza, uh Renee Zellweger came into it. You, yeah. I love Tony Collette so so fucking Ugh, much. Same. We just recently watched Hereditary together as well. Oh and my god, oh yeah. my god, that woman is so talented. Please use her more. Oh, again, going back to I'm thinking of ending things, she plays the it's a the movie is a circle really back around. It's about this girl that goes to her boyfriend's parents' house for the first time. And then things happen. That's all I'll say. But Tony Collette plays her boyfriend's mother. And it's such a weird abstract movie that she plays her character over like several decades and like different levels of like um, mental capacity. And it's really just kind of, she perfectly gets the tone of the movie she's in in a way that's so fun to watch. Such a smart actress. And I just love her. And But the idea of her being in Chicago, I just wonder how different that would have been. She would have played Roxy. I, I would have absolutely yeah. loved it. And, you know... And she can sing. She can she really, really sing. can. Well, she actually... Something I know about Toni Collette just from way back, like, one of her very first things that ever got her on stage... Is she from Australia or, like, New Zealand? Where is it? Australia. Australia. Uh, she was actually the lead singer of, like, a rock punk band... Oh, wow. um, in Australia, like in her early teens and twenties, like in her very early. Do you know career. Nicole Kidman was a, a in a band also when she was younger? I did not know that. Yeah, she what was. Is going a, yeah, on she was in Australia. I know. Well, all those all those fabulous women that were going to come over to the states. I know, and then get those careers. And I mean, Hugh oh, can you imagine to be in the room of like when Nicole Kidman was the lead singer of a band before she was famous, like her red curly hair I bet all that over the place? Not egg. Oh my god! Because apparently that's how Bob Lerman, Boz Lerman, even thought of calling her for Moulin Rouge because he heard that she had been in a band. That's well, thank God. That's so incredible! Right. Wow, how great! I also found out that Catherine Zeta-Jones was also considered for Moulin Rouge. That makes sense to me because Catherine yeah, in another started, universe that, know, that could have worked. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Other other thing I found out last night. We were watching a compilation of different Rose's turns to see who was the best Rose's turn, because that's the kind of gay evening we're having. We've had that conversation before, right? 
I believe. Well, I know who mine is. I know who mine is. Bernadette Peters. Yes, Bernadette. We've yeah, talked yeah. about this. <laughs> but do you know who was on the compilation that I didn't know had played Mama Rose? Who? Um, was Caroline O'Connor, that was the lead can-can dancer with the dark hair in Moulin Rouge. She did the Roxanne number. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, 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 yes. I know her. Yeah, she played Mama Rose. I was like, damn, bitch. Wow. I remember when she was, I was watching the Tonys one year and they were doing a number from It's a Wonderful Life uh, from A Christmas Story, the musical. And suddenly out walks their tap dancing fabulous teacher and it was Caroline O'Connor. And I was like, oh my God. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. Get Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesome moviyear.com so please like us subscribe and uh, if you do like us give us a five star rating because we love you oh so you know what else I found out about which I I don't I had never heard of this I don't really understand who it's for but apparently Gossip Girl is being rebooted for HBO Max and it starts shooting in New York in October that's also a little worrisome. Um, I read this that the long-awaited Gossip Girl reboot from HBO Max will start production in New York in October, Variety has confirmed. Shooting will start at the end of the month, though the specifics remain fluid. Warner Media Studios and Networks Group Chief Anne Sarnoff also confirmed to press this week that production for the TV studio's scripted series has started or will soon in Vancouver, New York, and Los Angeles. The 10-episode series is set eight years after the original show's finale and will explore how social media has transformed the social scene of New York elites. It will follow a new generation of private school teens who are introduced to the Gossip Girl website. Kristen Bell will return for the role of the narrator. Why? You know, uh, it says long awaited, but I'm like, I, I can wait a Who's little been longer. Who's been awaiting for this? It's also, um, all right, a couple of the things that I found out, like, in the researching of this. Yeah. Uh, something that's really exciting is, whereas a big difference from the previous version and this incarnation, they are making sure it does not center around cis white actors. Okay, um, good. I was going to say at least be something new. They they are doing that. Um. I have okay. dug into the rumor mill and now take all this with a grain of salt. I do not remember any of these lovely uh, actors' names at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I think um, they're all unknown actors. They are. They're all brand new. But I do believe uh, that at least one, if not multiple, of the lead characters are going to be trans. And oh, wow. openly trans, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Um, you know, of course, they like they said, the script is still in flux and things could change. Right. But I do believe that they are trying to update it, at least in that respect. So I think. Okay, so here's the thing. So, one for me, if it's a show about a bunch of bitchy Upper West Side, you know, socialites, but they happen to be diverse. And it feels like that could be fun if it's if it's if it's good, if the writing's good. Mm-hmm. I know it's the original producers. 
Um, I didn't really watch Gossip Girl, though. Um, Maximilian, my roommate, he has tried to get me into Gossip Girl before, and I watched a couple of episodes. And, I mean, I liked... Um, I liked Blake Lively. I thought she she seemed very watchable. She was very much a star. But the, the men were kind of just duds. And it just, I don't know. I, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Call I'm me a excited, snob. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, I'm not uh, not convinced yet, I guess. Is At least I'm Kristen at. Bell will be back as the narrator. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, pick up that paycheck, Kristen Listen, Bell. Sorry, am, easy paycheck. I'm still mad at Kristen Bell. Did you watch the Disney Plus series Encore? Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right. I was what about it? I was pissed <laughs> off because it says hosted by Kristen Bell. Yeah. And I can count on one hand <laughs> how many episodes she was in, let alone like how involved she was. Oh my god, you're not wrong. I thought it was the biggest phone it in which is exactly what she's about to do for Gossip Girl. She's the voiceover again. You know what? Get Gossip that money, Girl, is like, she's a narrator. She's getting that money. I love Kristen Bell. My my complaint She about did show it is, up for the Fiddler on the Roof episode. Well, I just, I want her to just, I want, I want to see Kristen more on my screen. That's my only Well, complaint. so it was probably when she was doing The Good Place, so she probably was still just, like, busy. Which is an incredible show. I, mm-hmm. I love you, Kristen Bell, but... Not that Please much. Please be on encore more. <laughs> be on encore more. <laughs> so, Aaron, are you a fan of the film? Uh, the film. <laughs> are you a fan of the film Troop Beverly Hills? I am. I very much am. Shelley Long, incredible. Yeah. So you'll be happy to know Troop Beverly Hills uh, sequel is in the works from director Oran Zegman. The film about a pampered Los Angeles housewife played by Shelley Long, who roughs it as the wilderness gal scout to bond with her daughter, is getting an update from director Oran Zegman, Variety has learned. The Los Angeles-based Israeli director will mark her feature debut with the untitled sequel set to release under Sony TriStar Pictures banner. Wow. Okay, I don't know. I'm very confused. I have many questions. I have a lot of questions, too. What is the plot that we're going to get? Yeah, what is the plot? Um, but also they had better call Shelly Long because she is alive. Like, she is still a kicking around. Hmm. Again, it's one of those things I'm I'm thrilled, I'm excited. Uh I just am skeptical about sequels 20 years after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited that it's directed by a a you know a, a woman of color. That's great. That makes me think that, oh good, we're giving more opportunities to female film directors. Love all of that. I do think if you, I don't understand the point of doing a full sequel to Troop Beverly Hills unless you're going to include Shelley Long because, like, it's such a specific reference to make, you know? It really is. I thought that it's not even, I think, like Splash, where they just did it with like new people playing the characters. Also, that wasn't a sequel, that was a, a remake. And this doesn't sound like it's not a remake, it says the sequel. So I hope it has Shelley Long. Yeah. It has to, right? She, she better be there. That's what I'm going to say about it. Well, because, like, w- I just don't understand why else you would do it if you're not going to reference. Otherwise, why not just do a remake instead of a sequel? I don't know. I, uh, Me, personally, like I said, I'm skeptical about these remakes, redos, <laughs> yeah. sequels. I'm just like, why can't we come up with a new concept or just a new script? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny you say that because I used to th- feel the same way. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more I've studied film history, the more I've just slowly realized that whether we know it or not, because we don't register things past a certain age, unless you're just really into like being a film historian, this happens all the time. Where like so many classic movies that we love, I found out are like remakes of a remake. Like, so I guess this is just like secular and it's just that we're really experiencing like wait a second that wasn't that long ago you know (laughs) like why are you remaking this like i remember um alfred hitchcock once remade one of his own movies Mm -hmm. when technology had like advanced more in filmmaking Mm -hmm. and he literally just remade his own movie with just better cameras and like in color and stuff that's crazy we've always had this remake yeah. culture but they're cool. remaking our movies now i know it makes me sad <laughs> you know what was the first one that made me really upset like i didn't really care about remakes until they remade the film arthur from 1982 with dudley moore and liza minnelli mm. uh, that is one of my favorite movies of all time it is is like a joke every 30 seconds it's so so funny and they remade it with russell brand uh and a before she was really happening greta gerwig as the liza minnelli part mm. yeah and it was just not good it's it was it was a really same. good cast it was like jennifer garner helen mirren it was like really good people but it's like, why are you remaking this perfect movie? Like, why do you why do you have to do this? You know, the one that they're doing that has been in the work for years, and it breaks my heart. It's like I'm gonna cry when it gets released. Oh no, of course, I'm gonna watch it, but I'm gonna cry. Uh, Clue. They're remaking Clue. No, yes, they are. are. And do you know no. the Tim Curry part and has been attached to it for years? Uh, Ugh, no, Ryan Reynolds. And I, Wait, who's playing the the Tim Curry part? I have Ryan Reynolds. No. Yeah, so it's gonna be just like I don't even care. It's gonna be like Deadpool, and it's just not that Deadpool's not great, but please. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's he's the, not not funny, but just like no why? To touch Clue. I don't personally think. And also, I feel like if I was gonna recast Tim Curry, I would get someone like um, I don't know, like like I would get like a a. What's that guy's name? Ben Wishaw. You know Ben mm, Wishaw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like someone like that, like a really like witty British, like little impish actor. Like I could see that being good, but like not Ryan Reynolds. I know. It's ugh. I'm well, the the original sad. is so good, it has like almost that like dry British sensibility humor. Yeah, so I, it I, felt like I a wonder... farce made by Americans and it was fucking yeah. good. It's perfect. And it, it better be a great cast because the original film is the most amazing cast. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, Madeline Kahn, Leslie Ann Warren, um, fucking, uh, not Ellen Burstyn, Eileen, uh, Eileen Brennan, Eileen Brennan Eileen. from, like, uh, Private Benjamin and the Pippi Longstocking movie. Uh, she was in it. You know, it was, like, a co- like comedy who's who. So yeah. it better be a good cast. I, I just remain very, very skeptical. Yeah, oh no, please. I mean, absolutely. I don't I think the only way it'll be worth watching is if it's a really good director, a really good writer, and just like if they're gonna go like the complete opposite route and go like Ryan Reynolds very American, then it should be like the best American comedians that are working like in acting right now. Like oh, it should be like imagine if Kristen Wig Oh yeah, like Kristen Wig, Melissa McCarthy, uh you know, Catherine Hahn, like, you know, like, really, like, amazing, like... Yeah, Amy Poehler in there, like, you know, as the <laughs> right. chef who was in the kitchen who gets murdered. 
You know, like, just have that be Amy Poehler. <laughs> or even, like, surprising people, like, if, like, Sandra O oh had a really funny part, like, Love just, like, that. yeah, I just, I don't know, like, Ali Wong, like, just, I, if they, I, if, I, there's, I, there, actually, I could really see Ali Wong as the Madeline Kahn role in, like, a twist on it. That would be nice. I could see that. Um, her face kind of reminds me of Madeline Kahn's face a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Clue or this true Beverly Hills nonsense. Well, I have a piece of news I'd love uh, to bring oh, up. It's something that, like, in looking and preparing for news this week, I found happened on the very first start of the week, September 2nd. Uh, David uh-huh. Blaine pulled off a brand new stunt, and it was called oh, Ascension. And now this is the first time that David Blaine has done I mean, David Blaine got famous for being, you know, a crazy street magician, and then on top of that, he turned it into a show. Like, um... He would not breathe for 17 minutes underwater. He would be high above buildings, this, that, the other. Well, what he did is, with Ascension, I believe he attached himself to, I don't even know how many balloons. Must have been Uh like 70 balloons or something. Um, Yeah. He has been training for the past two years, and he ascended to approximately 25,000 feet in the air, which is (gasps) where commercial airplanes fly. And he ascended that attached to balloons. It's it's absolutely incredible. The whole thing was live streamed on YouTube. There's even a highlights reel now. And when I watched it, I cried. And I don't even know why. It was just very motivated. It was motivational, inspiring. He was there with his daughter who he was doing this all for. Because apparently he stopped doing these major dangerous stunts. Um eight years ago when she was born. And so like he's walking up there because this was her idea. She had like thought of this. And so he's like, I'm doing this for you. And you know, basically like I stopped doing dangerous things because you were born, but I want to do this for you. And oh my God, it just, uh, I'm like, maybe don't listen to your eight year old daughter's ideas of what you should do with your body. Well, he he prepared, he prepared for two years and it's a whole production, but it, it's really worth watching. Even if you it is my version of of hell. Oh my God. Yeah. It was my hell. It was absolutely terrifying. And, um, it was really inspiring to watch though. Uh, if I've been thinking about flying for too long, I get nervous. I can't imagine being strapped to balloons. I know. He ascended, uh, he ascended that whole amount in like 30 minutes. And then <gasps> he has to himself, you know, uh-huh. unattach himself. <gasps> he has to. How did he get down? He jumps. He, he flies. He, oh he, my God. He, uh, he releases himself. It's really. Is that incredible. safe? You got to watch it. It's really incredible. It's. Was it like a, did he have like a parachute or oh, something? Oh yeah, he had parachute, but like. Oh my god! Sorry, this is like as someone who is planes fly. It's (sighs) unbelievable. And like I'm thinking of falling from that height. Like my fucking god! When he released and he did his free fall, it it lasted for an uncomfortable amount of time for me. Stop it! Oh my god! Like if here my idea of hell, and this is the thing where I'd be like, fuck, I guess I'm losing this job. Let's say I got a job as a the host of some show, and I was going to go be on this, you know, national TV show. Cool, cool, cool. And then they tell me, oh, by the way, you're going to jump out of a plane on episode six. Oh, and yeah. I said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. And they're like, well, you have to do it or you're getting fired. I'd be like, well, 
guess I'm getting fired. Fuck, that's really sucks. Because I won't do it. I won't do it. And maybe I sound closed-minded. Maybe I sound like a coward. But no part of me wants to jump out of a plane and open a parachute and then watch myself fall to the earth. I don't want to do that. No part of that sounds fun. Wow. It'd be a waste of money because I would be closing my eyes the entire way down. Like is I, I actually think I might have a heart attack if I did it. Like it's, that's how afraid of heights I am. Um, I don't like it. I, I, it's so hard for me to think about. I haven't flown that much, and even thinking about flying for too long gets me nervous. So let alone jumping out of a plane. Oh my god. Well, I can't even. I'll tell you, I <sighs> share that exact same thoughts. I would not want to do this myself. But seriously, something about watching him do it. It oh sure i'll watch him do cry. it it was amazing it was like watching up but just like super fast it was like whoa <laughs> super fast yeah i think a thing is i would be like is he gonna die up there like how is this gonna work he very What's well could have you know it, it just like it that was a very very real possibility it just wow woo. watch oh, it man. If you go watch ascension on um david blaine's youtube it's pretty pretty incredible oh my god so i had one last headline i did want to cover it was oh man the first big twist of going back to work during covid robert pattinson tested positive for covid19 on the set of the batman and it had to be shut down oh Oh, baby uh yeah robert pattinson had tested positive just two days after the batman's resumed production in the uk and according to a source familiar with protocols for uk-based productions anyone with a positive coronavirus test needs to quarantine for a minimum of 10 days they can then be cleared for work if a subsequent test comes back negative and they're asymptomatic other productions have required at least two negative tests and no COVID-19 symptoms for at least 72 hours. On Jurassic World Dominion, which is also shooting in the UK, Universal famously bought out a luxury hotel to house the film's actors, the director, all of the key production staff when they're not working. Everyone at the hotel, including hotel employees, are tested for COVID-19 three times a week. Um <laughs> A, a top executive said no one wants to admit that this can happen to them. Everyone in production is white knuckling it to get it done. The attitude seems to be, I'm sorry it happened to them, but if it doesn't happen to me, that's great. It remains unclear how or where Pattinson could have contracted COVID-19 and that uncertainty could also feed into a greater sense of denial. I think they'll try to find out where the exposure was and try to rectify it, says the production executive. The problem is, unless that studio divulged exactly where the exposure might have come from or where they felt there was an issue, we'll never know where exactly he might have contracted COVID from. This, to me, just feels like why we're cutting down productions right now. Like, because you think, like, that's Robert Pattinson. He is the Batman in the Batman. The fact that they could not keep him safe from the germs when, like, you know, it's all centered around him and everything he touches, he puts on, yada, yada. Like, I think, how can you guarantee safety? I don't know. I get needing to get back to work for the arts. But I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? Hmm. That's a tough one. You know, um, exactly what you said. The arts... People have got to get back to work. I'm seeing. Yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But it just, obviously, it didn't work in this scenario. 
So I guess what that means is you have to be more rigid about it. If you're going to get back to work, you know, Ugh. as much as it sucks, do that, do the 10 day isolation for everybody, you know, do, yeah. do, do these ridiculous, ridiculous steps. If you have to work, then you have to do it safely. Um, I hope it really Robert just Pattinson makes you wonder how much the film industry is going to change in the next couple of years. It's going to slow down a bit, just, you know, a little bit uh, for a little I while. Mean, yeah, really. Uh, I also heard um, that Rock, Rock Dwayne Johnson, he, uh, Dwayne the Rock oh, yeah. Johnson, he contracted uh, COVID as well. His whole family did. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so sad. It's just, uh, and even he, he went on a live saying something along the lines of, you know, this is the hardest thing me and my family have ever had to face. And he has been homeless and, you know, destitute no. before. And he is saying this is hands down the hardest thing that as a family they've had to deal with. Um, it's no joke, people. Wear your mask. No, it's not. Be responsible. Uh, limit limit running around. Um, and yeah, my, my friend, they had a friend pass away from it um, last week. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And they were, and they were like young. They were like our age terrifying so that's crazy it's very serious and i feel like say what it's very serious you very serious yeah exactly and i think people right now they want things to get back to normal need things to get back to normal and so they're letting that cloud their judgment because i think people are now trying to shame people into thinking that if you're still you know really rigorously you know, thinking about this, that you're being complacent or lazy or you're trying to drag this out, quote unquote, blah, blah, blah. But things are still serious. And it sucks that things are still serious. Like, I don't like this more than anyone else. But I feel like in terms of films and stuff, I think we might need to get used to, like, less epic filmmaking for a while and more, like, intimate character stuff that could just be done more safely. And that might just be the new normal for a while, you know, like uh, or they'll have to find out new ways to film crowd scenes or new ways to, you know, develop all this stuff because it's not safe probably for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Ay, ay, ay. Well, well Aaron, I mean, people will adapt. That is the one thing that we know, you know, people are creative. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. Out. Um, yeah. I just think between this and, you know, uh, what else what did it be oh yeah like like tenant going back into theaters and all this it's like it are these safe things to be doing i get why you're doing them like i i don't blame you but is it is it worth it like and i get that it's really easy for me to say that when i'm not somebody that's controlling a movie that costs you know Millions. over a hundred million dollars to be made like you know of course they're trying to just do like the best decision they can think of but i think I think this year should have just been seen as like, guys, we're we're closing up shop for the rest of the year. Like, I and again, easy for me to say that, but I think just safety wise, it's it's just what probably should have happened. It's hard to like make that call, but just for everyone's safety, I don't know. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me again on this week in pop culture. You know it, bish. <laughs> can i ask you the question i ask everyone who was the last actress that made you feel something absolutely um well i'm gonna go with the quite obvious uh we talked about her a lot today uh but tony collette you know in <laughs> in um in everything that she does in life uh, in everything but that most she does. of all in the movie that i'm gonna watch her tonight i'm thinking of ending Ooh. on netflix now 
I hope you do because we should we need to talk about oh, it I'm because for sure. Uh, yeah, it it uh, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> it was really crazy, but it was it was really fun. Um, my last my person, my actress that made me feel something is also Tony Collette. What? Um, but not from with that that movie. Great. Of course. But um, I was listening to uh, the Film Experience podcast, and they were talking about the movie The Hours, and so it made me rewatch The Hours again. And Tony Collette has a small part in The Hours. It's only maybe like a 10, 15-minute role altogether. But she just does... Have you seen The Hours? I have, but it's been quite a long time. Yeah, she plays like this housewife that's friends with Julianne Moore in the 50s. And at first she's like this bubbly, you know, goofy caricature of a woman. And then she like slowly peels back her like layers. And it's it's such a, it almost feels like a scene written for a play, not for a film. Because it's a very like theater kind of role, you know. Uh, but she's just so good. It just makes me wonder why she hasn't, I don't know, like popped off more in terms of popularity. Well, those who know they know they should know bitch (laughs) but thanks for dropping by Aaron no problem hey there I'm Aaron Holman host of Eye to Eye a weekly podcast talk show all about passion I have this passion and this fire within me that burns brighter than the fire around me flow with performing there's always a story to tell whether it's my own or not creativity I go he's more than cute he's creative all with an LGBT twist make sure to check out Eye to Eye that's E-Y-E number two letter I and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in today And welcome back. And today we are going into the history of the Academy Awards with Joey and Brandon, the hosts of the podcast Academy Queens. Welcome to In Another World. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you folks doing today? I'm okay. Yeah, I can't complain. Just overly hot for the beginning of spooky season. So I'm not digging that here in Cleveland, but, you know, making it through. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I was very excited to find other um, Oscar nerd podcasters. Yeah, it's it's always a fun thing to find other people who you have like a passion about with something. So, you know, I kind of think of it as like recipe swapping. <laughs> right. Yeah, I found your podcast through Twitter and I slowly stumbled upon your Leslie Ann Warren interview from the past and I was obsessed. That was a good day. Yeah, she is wonderful. She's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was gagged. I was like, I've been obsessed with that woman since I was a child. Uh, but why don't you tell the the listeners about your podcast, Brandon? Uh, so, uh, like Zach was saying, we're an Academy Awards uh, themed podcast. Uh, what we do is each episode uh, we cover a year. Um, Two categories. Uh, right now, our sequence is on lead and supporting actresses. So um, we go through the 10 nominated uh, performances, talk about what we like, what we didn't like. And at the end, we rank them um, five to one um, as a category. So um, that's pretty much the gist of it, I suppose. Love it. Love all of that. <laughs> Uh, so first i do a segment with all of my guests called your birth in pop culture so um i'll start with joey 
Mm-hmm. Uh, your birthday is February 23rd, 1992. Mm-hmm. And the number one movie the day you came into this world was Wayne's World. I don't know if you knew that. The most celebrated film of all time. Yeah, right. Wayne's World. Siskel and Ebert call it completely original. I was not aware of that. Two thumbs up. We're not worthy. And the Washington Post agrees. Thank you. Hilariously funny. As easily digestible as a bag of Cheetos. Pardon me. Do you have any gray poupon? So don't be the last one in America to see Wayne's World. Rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. I did. Okay, well, all right. Uh, (laughs) And the number one song, do you know what the number one song was? No, actually, I don't. Oh, my. Uh, It was a throwback. It was I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I am too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan. Japan. Stop it. Stop it. Isn't that great? That is amazing. And it may it just it explains so much. Yeah, there you go. And Brandon, you are December 8th, 1991. Yep. And your number one movie is Hook. Where are we going? To never never. Robin Williams. So happens. I am a lawyer. Kill the Junior Roberts. You're a little. And Bob Hoskins. I give you Captain James And Dustin Hoffman. Hello, children. As Book. Reggie PG. Renault Guidance suggests That was the first movie I ever saw in a theater. Okay. And your number one song is Black or White by Michael Jackson. Um, I'm not allowed to, I, I still, I mean, I still love that song. I know he's a slightly controversial figure to even say by name these days, but it's okay. We'll accept it. Going into the Oscars, when did you, when did you two first get into them? Like, have you always sort of been interested in them? Do you remember what phase of life it was when they got on your radar? Um, I have, I've always watched them um even as a kid but it was never like a thing it was just like another tv show mm-hmm. um, the year that i really started quote unquote getting serious with watching was only in 2010 actually um i was working at blockbuster uh to put a little you know how old am i trivia out there <laughs> um you know, you probably just said my birthday i'm but- older than both of you so that's <laughs> Uh, but I didn't get really serious about it until 2012. And what I mean by that is like really making sure I saw everything. Um, essentially it, you know, the Oscars having its own kind of fantasy football league in a way. <laughs> yeah, right. um, that, that's when I got really serious about it. I think the first, uh, ceremony I watched, uh, was the one where the departed one best picture. <laughs> And I've been, I guess, watching it ever since. Uh, to be honest, uh, the Oscars were never really a huge thing for me. It was um, just something that happened within the film industry. I'm yeah. much more of like a general film person, um, you know, like AFI, sight and sound type movies. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Oscars, you know, were just 
that other thing that happens once a year. And <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't realize until I became part of the hashtag film Twitter, how seriously so many people take the Oscars. And then we started Academy Queens and I realized even more just how seriously people take it. Cause we have some fans, some listeners who are uh, <laughs> quite, quite serious about their, their actresses and who should have oh, won when. So it's been a very uh, enlightening journey. Yeah, it's people definitely take the Oscars so seriously. And to me, I just see it as like a bookmark you're putting into a year. Like we want to put these movies on a chart to say, look at this later in history. And that's really about it. And it comes down, mm-hmm. you know, to politics and money most of the times. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. But it's just fascinating. So fascinating. Well, so because I remember the first Oscar ceremony I remember actually giving any care about was the year that Moulin Rouge was nominated. And I, I was obsessed with that movie. And that was that was sort of like my keyhole. And then I became obsessed with Nicole Kidman. And it was all downhill from there. Uh, but what are, what are your, some of your favorite Best Picture winners? Well, uh, my favorite movie is The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, so... Yeah. I feel like that has to be, you know, one of my favorite best picture winners. Um, mm. Going a little further back in time, a few other ones that I really admire are Rebecca, The Best uh-huh. Years of Our Lives, uh, The Bridge on the River Kwai, and All About Eve. Oh, I'm a, All About Eve is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a mandatory gay film. Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, I kind of, okay, I kind of ask, going off of that, how have you listened to our 1950 episode? not yet no okay i don't want to spoil it then oh okay <laughs> well i was i was gonna make a comment entry. well i was gonna make a comment off of that but i was like oh i don't know if he's if he's listened to it yet so i'm I'm gonna wait um well, now i will hop on that <laughs> oh definitely um i my favorite movie of all time is the deer hunter so that one best picture um so that's a favorite amadeus is a favorite um oh. more recently obviously uh parasite was great um silence of the lambs is a really really good one too the godfather of course the godfather um i i'm gonna be honest with you my specialty when it came to the oscars uh, was 1916 and above so with the show that we're doing this is kind of like the first time i'm going backwards um for a lot of it Mm -hmm. um i haven't really gotten to uh more of the older uh winners like brandon has um but i could tell you who should have won (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been trying to be better about pre like 1955 i feel like that's when i start getting a little fuzzy i had a friend once that i used to think i was a film nerd until i met my friend alice and she literally had thousands of movies i don't even understand how she had seen all of these films and she would just drop names i'd never even thought of like greer garson and i was like oh i have so much to learn so i i feel like i've, I've gotten better but i still have such an education to do so maybe i'll keep using your podcast as my encyclopedia uh, it's so funny you both said Silence of the Lambs because that doesn't seem like a movie that should have won Best Picture, but I'm so happy that it did. And I that's why I was so excited for Parasite this past year because I never in a million years thought that could win Best Picture. And I, I mean, I'm sure I was not alone on that. And I just was, it was like the first like gag I had had in the Oscars other than obviously the whole La La Land uh, Moonlight kerfuffle. So I just, I, I'm hoping we get more exciting winners like that in the future. Just like as 
the academy is becoming more diverse and they're trying to switch things up because it's been such an uh, interesting past few years. But talking about um, what are some of your least favorite Best Picture winners? Um, well, some of mine are uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, I don't think I have ever had a good time watching that movie. Um, <laughs> other ones include Going My Way, uh, Tom Jones, Chariots <laughs> of Fire, and maybe the most miserable time I've ever had watching a Best Picture winner was The Greatest Show on Earth. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen that, I have to say. I've never wanted to. Yeah, it's not very good. Well, I would definitely agree Tom Jones. Tom Jones is absolutely awful. <laughs> um, have you ever seen it? I have not, I have to say. Okay, so the best thing about Tom Jones is one of the actresses, her name is Diane Salento. Her mm-hmm. character's literally name is like Town Wench or something like that. <laughs> um, she's a supporting actress nominee from that. And I kind of make fun of it because, like, she she has this voice that I call, like, the uh, Carton a Day voice. Now, mind you, the actress was Australian playing a Brit, but, like, her accent didn't, like, line up to where it was supposed to be. So, oh, no. like, when you meet her, she literally goes, hi, Tom. And, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she sounds like that. Uh-huh. The best thing about that movie. But she's in it, like, only in, like, within six minutes of this 10,000-minute movie. So, it's not oh, really God. Bad. What year is that? Uh, 93. Oh, which is just a really bad year in general for the Oscars. Yeah. It really is. It's Ugh. bad. Uh, but yeah, so Tom Jones, and I would also agree Driving Miss Daisy. I would also honestly have to say The Hurt Locker. I'm not a fan of that at all. You uh, know, yeah, that was a movie like everyone was talking about how brilliant it is. I'm like, no, it's very well made and it's it's well acted. But I I can't lie and say I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we did a bonus episode of that that year. That Brandon, you actually ended up choosing that one, right? Yeah, of, of that lineup, it was my best picture winner. Yeah, I just like look at that year and I'm like, District Nine was right there. Um, <laughs> that oh, yeah. been, what am I going? Right. Um, and here's the thing too. I would honestly say it just because it hasn't aged well in the fact that it, everyone considers it overrated American beauty really isn't that great of a winner either. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the ones that kind of come right off the bat. Oh, and yeah. I'm just ordinary people. I'm you're good. <laughs> See, I like ordinary people. I don't know. But then again, isn't, wasn't the same year as reds. No, that was 81. Damn it. Okay. Man, I'm like myself. Rage, bad. Raging Bull was the um, competition for ordinary people. Oh, man. Okay. Well, see, I don't have an Oscar podcast, so I'm allowed to have mistakes. Uh, we'll see. I would have voted for, I guess, yeah, I guess I would have gone for Raging Bull. Not I guess. Oh, man. Oh, well. See, <laughs> me, my my top ones are like Forrest Gump. I just, I don't, I don't want it. Uh, or, I mean, this is kind of like a stereotype at this point, but just crash. It's just like, the more time has gone by, it's just like, what happened? What's going on? I mean, you know what happened, but it just, it just feels so crazy that that is the movie they chose to be like, this is got the stamp of approval by the Academy this year. It's just like crash nuts. I thought it was a great best picture winner. All right. (laughs) I mean, I don't hate the movie. I don't actually don't think it's a bad movie. It's just in comparison to the others i'm like it's it would have been like probably like number four on my list of like if i had to rank them so i don't know mm-hmm. but you know it's still a best picture winner and no one can take that away so <laughs> they got the last laugh but so 
go what are some nominees for best actress that you wish had won an oscar night but did not uh well a few of my uh picks are uh leave ullman uh who is nominated for mm. face to face uh i believe uh faye dunaway won that year for network i'm a big ullman fan i wish she would have mm. won um a little controversial one among the gays is I think Diana Ross should have uh, should have Liza Minnelli's Oscar for Cabaret. Um, Whoopi Goldberg gives maybe my favorite leading actress nominated performance of all time in The Color Purple. Uh, so That's she's the winner for well. me. And um, two more. Uh, Bette Midler in The Rose uh, completely shook me with that performance. I watched it for the first time for our show and I was literally glued to my couch as the credits mm. rolled. And um, Glenn Close for Dangerous Liaisons. Ah, also on my list. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful taste. Wonderful taste. Yeah, the first time I saw The Rose, I just thought, how did she not win for this movie? It, like, blew my mind. Because I didn't even know Bette Midler could do that, to be totally honest, at the time I'd seen it. Yeah, me neither. And how about you, Joey? Well, Brandon and I agreed on all of those winners. Um, Great. Except for Glenn Close that year, so I'm gonna like I'm not gonna say the same ones this time, but I would say I agree with that with those there. Um, I would also like to add in Anne Bancroft for The Turning Point, um, mm. Diane Carroll for Claudine, um, Ellen Burstyn for Requiem for a Dream, um, Michelle Williams for Blue Valentine, Rooney Mara for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Quaventioning. Mm. Wallace for Beast of the Southern Wild. I know I just kind of went one, two, three in a row there, but I'm also going to give you a little bonus here. Oh, please. Um, yes, yes. Whoopi Goldberg, I, I, I know I just, oh, I, I'm going to get to that bonus in a second. I agree with Norman, though. Whoopi Goldberg is probably like one of the best ones ever nominated, and that win <sighs> doesn't make sense to me. For, oh, my God. Yeah. For page. Um, but Sally Kirkland and Anna in 1987 um should have had Cher's oscar um kirkland is just fantastic in it and the fact that anna is so rarely seen it's very hard to come by is just complete bs yeah i haven't seen it i have to i have to admit yeah do yourself a favor if you can ever find it i know it's streaming now somewhere um oh. a good buddy of ours andrew carden is also a huge fan of this performance and kirkland in that and um yeah if you can find it get it it's really great performance mm. my my list is a lot of similar i also have glenn close for dangerous liaisons i of course have whoopee because every time i watch the color purple it just gets more and more impressive you just think she had to play this character over decades decades since her first film role it's just truly insane but some ones that were not mentioned i also would throw into the mix uh betty davis for all about eve over judy holiday even though i love judy holiday but it just i i love all about eve too much and of course judy garland in a star is born over grace kelly and then i also would say shirley mclean in the apartment over elizabeth taylor for butterfield eight but who are some performances that were not even nominated that you think should have been nominated uh for me one of my favorite performances of the last decade was Kirsten Dunst in Melancholia. Uh-huh. Uh, she would have been my winner had she been nominated. Um, someone else who would have, would have been my winner if she'd been nominated was Sharon Stone for Basic Instinct, uh, 1992. Um, Catherine Deneuve uh, has given two really great performances that would have been uh, wonderful nominations, uh, Belle de Jour and Repulsion. Uh, she's riveting in both of those. Uh, and then Ruth Gordon in Harold and Maude. Uh, it's fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love that. 
Um, Bjork in Dancer in the Dark um, yeah. 2000 was horribly, horribly snubbed. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Olsen and Marcia, Martha, <sighs> Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2011. Um, mm. Breakout role and was amazing. Um, she was one that is snubbed. Of course, Tony Collette for Hereditary. Good Lord. Yeah. Still wrap my mind around that not happening. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. And then oh I'm Tony Collette. She just gets overlooked in general. I'm like, what is going on with Tony Collette in the Academy? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you one that's not even happened yet, but it's going to happen is this year. Betty Gilpin for The Hunt is going to be overlooked, <sighs> which is a damn dirty shame because. Okay. She was so, so good. She's so good. Her and Hillary Swank deserve Oscar nominations for this, and they're not going to get them. It's just going to be awful. It's so weird because I kept reading all these notices about how awful Hilary Swank was in The Hunt. And then I saw it and I went, I don't understand <laughs> what, what they're talking about. Yeah, it's it's such a good performance. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any. Un- oh, Karen Black in The Day of the Locust in 1975. Horribly snubbed. What but, a deep cut. Well, we're, we sometimes we might as well call Academy Queens the Karen Black Stan podcast. Um, <laughs> it was, she was actually a personal friend of mine. So I, I knew her. Oh um, yeah. So we, between her and Madeline Kahn and Sharon Stone, those are the three actresses we stand the hardest on our account. Oh, so, Madeline Kahn. I love her so much. Yeah. I think some of mine, I, I still think it's a crime that Uma Thurman was not nominated for Kill Bill. I like either volume, really either one. Uh, but also Nicole Kidman for To Die For. And mm. also I love Whoopi Goldberg and Karina Karina. And I just I think I would have I would have wanted that. Who so to like wrap up the whole actress discussion, who are some like the women on your list that you most want to see get an Oscar that have somehow still not won an Oscar? How much time do we have? <laughs> I know, right? Just <laughs> I'll give you five. You give five five actresses. Uh, go ahead, Joey. Okay. Um Bette Midler. For sure. Uh, I would like to see her. Are, are we still sticking with leads or just in general? In general, just, you know, just in, in, anything, anything. Bette Midler. Um, I really would love to see Jennifer Tilly come back and get an Oscar. Oh um, still can't fathom that loss from 1994. Um, I would love Sigourney Weaver. A Sigourney Weaver needs to have one already. She's on my list as well. Mm-hmm. See, it was funny when you guys mentioned Dangerous Liaisons, I was for Sigourney Weaver for Rose in the Mist that year. Um, but so I would want to see her make up for that one for sure. <laughs> um, I, I, there's a great, great performer. Uh, she was nominated in the, the mid 60s or I'm sorry, mid 90s. Marion Jean Baptiste is a great English. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't get as much credit as she deserves. And I would really, really like to, for her to see, or for her to come back and do that. Um, and then someone who's never even been nominated, who I would love to see walk Oscar stage is Jean Smart. Oh man. Yeah. Justice for Jean Smart. Yeah. Uh, so a few of mine, uh, speaking of the color purple, I'd love for Margaret Avery to make a comeback mm. and uh, snatch an Oscar. Uh, Joan Allen is someone who I've mm. honestly give her the win uh, twice in the times that she's been nominated, but somehow she's mm. never won in real life. Um, Annette Benning, I think, deserves it. It just happens that she's in really tough categories every time she's nominated. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Helena Bonham Carter, I think, is an icon and a legend who deserves an Oscar. And uh, I would love for somehow for Joan Cusack uh, to walk away with an Oscar one night. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> come on. From your lips to God's ears. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Mine, I think mine would be Angela Bassett. I would love to see her win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close, of course. I'm just My heart is still broken. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, actually, I would love to see win. Alfre Woodard and even like Michelle Yeoh. I would love to see Michelle Yeoh get an Oscar. That'd be cool. I feel like she came so close with it. It sucks to take something like crazy rich Asians, but I feel like she was so close and it just, it could not happen. But I don't know, like coming up like this next year, like are there any people that you think are the front runners at this moment for best actress? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're all like just guessing at this point, really. I could see Elizabeth Moss sneaking in there for Shirley. Um, People seem to be all about that movie when it came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the industry loves Elizabeth Moss. And why not? Yeah, right? No. There's, I mean, (laughs) no, there's just nobody right now. I mean, again, Betty Gilpin deserves it. Is she going to get it? No. But like, she's the only... what if she gets that are you just gonna be like gagged? I'm gonna be so happy like honestly I'm gonna be ecstatic if, if it happens but I mean there hasn't it feels like it was, I mean obviously it's a weird year just in right. general <laughs> but in terms of Oscars this year I'm like I don't know whatever uh, people <laughs> decide they want to remember I don't know I remember at the beginning of the year people were already talking like Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman going back <laughs> yeah. listen I'd love Olivia Coleman to win a second one so why not I guess, but I don't know what movie or what category she's going to be in. So it's just weird because of the year that we're in. Like, I haven't seen anything, you know? Right. It's all like hearsay because I, I know I've, uh, the name I keep seeing is Viola Davis for uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I'm like, well, no one's seen it. I mean, right. I'm, I can't wait to see it. But, you know, all the performances I'm excited to see, it's just like almost no one has seen them so it's like you know i don't know how are we gonna wrap up this year it's it's and also god the oscars are so late next year it's like truly bonkers it's like i'm already exhausted from it and it hasn't even really started yet (laughs) right like uh and yeah especially this year like what are people gonna want to put in a you know emotional scrapbook of what we look back this year on like what do we want that film to be or like those acting winners to be it just feels so uh silly even to think about but doesn't mean i'm not thinking about it but thank you so much for coming on the podcast i know you talk about the oscars literally all the time so i appreciate you doing it again um off the clock but I do a closing segment of where I, I ask, who was the last actress that made you feel something? And whoever wants to go first. So I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're going for, but the last actress who I think really like shook me in a way was Lapita Nyong'o for Us. Mm. I left that theater just in awe of her talent and her ability mm. and what she was able to do. Um, with that, those uh, dual roles in that film. So um, she definitely uh, had an impression on me. So I'm, I guess I would say Lapita Nyong'o and Us. Well, that's a great answer. I mean, that movie, every time I see it, her performance gets more and more impressive to me. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. And Joey? Um, it was also from this past season, um, the one that really got me. And I, I was genuinely 
there's been two times that I've seen a movie and I just have sat there trying to take it all in. One was Moonlight a couple years back. Mm-hmm. This one, though, was Alfre Woodard and Clemency, which is, we, you know, we've said on, the, on our show, if, there was, if the Oscars were all about merit, Woodard would have swept last year. My God, what happened with her last year? It's crazy. Just money and, and, and you know, um, marketing, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But I remember watching Clemency and literally not being able to move from my seat. And I was just in silence because I wasn't sure what I just experienced. But what I knew was I loved it and yet wanted more but didn't want any of it and mm. i was just running the emotional gamut and i yeah i would have to say alfred woodard and clemency yeah alfred woodard is one of those actresses that's been around forever and she's just always great in anything even dumb comedies that i see her in she's just so funny and so and it, you just you can't stop looking at her on screen and i was so excited for clemency and i thought this is it she's gonna she's gonna get nominated maybe she'll win and it just it, nothing even happened with it and it was just heartbreaking it was like a knife to the heart for me mine's actually a tv role it's actually sort of like a show i was a little late to i finally saw little fires everywhere and of course the two leads are amazing reese and and carrie but i actually was really struck with uh rosemary dewitt in little fires everywhere just because she took such a tricky role and somehow made me really feel for this woman but even such a complicated uh storyline and just i think she's such an underrated actress in general so i guess mine would be rosemary dewitt but um, are there any, do you want to plug your socials before I send you on your merry way? Sure. Um, you can find myself at Joey Gentilly1992. Um, that is my handle on Twitter. Um, it's spelled like Gentile, but think of it as Jennifer Tilly, Gentilly. <laughs> um, and then for, for Academy Queens, it's at Academy underscore Queens on twitter as well and then you can find our podcast on uh itunes spotify google play pandora iHeartRadio, stitcher and pretty much anywhere else um so that takes care of me and uh, my personal twitter is just um at brandon stanwick uh one word at on the twitter uh yeah everyone go go check it out if you are a fellow oscars nerd like like myself though i need to be educated so i will be using your podcast as education but thank you so much for coming on the show and i hope you guys have a good night thank you so much as well yeah And that's the show. And thank you so much again to Aaron for joining me for This Week in Pop Culture. And to Joey and Brandon from Academy Queens for our Kiki on the Academy Awards. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow on Instagram at InAnotherWorldPod or on Twitter at IAWPodcast. Be sure to hit me up on social media. Let me know how you're liking the show and any suggestions you might have. And I'll see you all here next time. Bye! Bye!